0: Welcome to the HEDA Command Podcast, Mastering the Art of Fire Service Leadership.
1: Where we, your hosts, aim to teach you how to use introspection and self-reflection to be your most authentic, genuine self, leader, and human being.
0: And now, here are your hosts. This is Kyle Matusik.
1: And Carrie Henderson. Thanks for joining.
0: You know what the most exciting about... Thing about right now is Carrie that we're actually live and in person at Teaks in San Marcos, Texas.
1: It's super great to be back in Texas.
0: (laughs) We actually get to sit across the table from each other, not across computer screens a thousand miles away. So it's it's been pretty exciting. You know we're heading into day two at Teaks. You want to recap our day one and how our day went a little bit there, Carrie?
1: It was amazing. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, Kyle and I presented uh, yesterday morning uh, two back-to-back sessions, part one and part two, of basically everything we talk about here at our podcast, but we had to pare it down to two hours, two one-hour sessions, and we we started the morning with um, a discussion about the generations, different generations, and how that shapes you as a human being and as an employee and co-worker and supervisor, but... More importantly, how it's not the end-all, be-all. And then the second part of our presentation, we t- aimed to teach people what to do with that information and um, how to do some introspection and some hard work. And we talked about values a lot that we've talked about in this podcast. And um, then we opened up to the the room and did kind of a mini uh, shakers forum where people could uh, shout out some issues or problems that they were having. And we brought up some different challenges and had people in the room kind of talk through different scenarios they'd seen personally in their workplace.
0: Yeah, it's always fun being in a live audience, talking to people, seeing the other issues that are going on. And, you know, there's always a lot of similarities. And I think one of the cool things is, you know, I I think me and you, we we don't go up there and claim to have all the answers. In fact, uh, somebody did ask a question. I'm like, do you have the answer? Because I don't. Because a lot of the things we talk about are tough. You know, it's a hard conversations. It's the tough things. It's how to become an effective leader. And sometimes when you're a part of toxic environments, it's hard to overcome some of that stuff. And You know that's where a lot of questions ended up going, and it's you know who has those answers and how do we stay resilient and you know that's a great thing about teaks. You get to listen to other people and hear other stories how they've overcome obstacles, and you know a lot of times it puts things into perspective, which is really cool. And you know we get to launch season two being live and being here, which is awesome. Which we are season two is going to be full of generations and talking about separate generations, and you know we went into that a little bit yesterday and. Today, we're just going to kind of give our general outlook of what season two is going to look like in terms of each generation and how that plays a role in our self-reflection as leaders and how we can better lead each generation.
1: Yeah, I'm... I, I just can't say enough about the hospitality here at Teaks, and I know Kyle. We've said it a bunch. It's th- this is where we got started uh, speaking and traveling. It was last year here at Texas A and M's Leadership Symposium. They invited us after uh, winning the Darley Essay Contest to come down here, and and this being year two, we're a lot more relaxed. Um, there's some familiar faces that that showed up yesterday in our class, and we're super grateful for that. And it, it's just been amazing being here in this this symposium is is uh, world-class. If you have the opportunity to come in and attend, please do. Uh, great speakers, um, very well organized. It's, it's just wonderful. I can't say enough about it.
0: Yeah. The hospitality is <laughs> just amazing. And there's not eight inches of snow on the ground for me. So I'm pretty happy. <laughs>
1: yes. <laughs> yes. So, so let's get into talking about uh, each generation that's currently in the workplace and just a little bit of overview of the life experiences that shaped some of the generations and and how that plays out in their lives and and some of the characteristics that they may exude and maybe talk we'll maybe talk a little bit about how um, if you're in a micro generation so coming into a generation or coming out of your the early years or the late years you may have qualities of two generations which is kind of where Kyle and I probably both fall into so you want to talk about baby boomers Kyle
0: yeah so when we talk about each generation we're really talking in general and we understand that there's caveats to each person each individual even though you might fall in a generation none of these apply to you but a lot is the world we grew up in and how that world has shaped us and that's what each generation is we experience certain certain things and we're not saying everybody experienced them the same way but these are just general statements. So when we start with the baby boomers, you know, one of the big things with them is they're starting to leave the workforce in general. You know, uh, Gen Xers and millennials are, you know, the brunt of the workforce nowadays. So we have few and few, uh, fewer baby boomers in, in our workforce. But I think it's still important to have an understanding. The more we understand about each other and people and why they are the way they are, that makes us better leaders. So, baby boomers, we look—it's a generation that were born to parents that fought in World War II and the Great Depression, which a really extremely impactful time. So, we see baby boomers as being really hard workers and dedicated to their jobs, uh, giving up everything to ensure they have a job, and rightfully so. You know, that's the world they grew up in, and where most people weren't working. So, when you got a job, you gave that job everything. You know, and so much so that a lot of times their careers became a sense of their identity. And I think we see that a lot in the fire service, uh, older generations, that this job is everything to them. Uh, and without it, you know, there's nothing there, which is unfortunate. And that's what we work to try and change is, you know, we should have a de- an identity away away from the work uh, that we do. However, you know, a lot of strengths come from the baby boomers. You know, that hard work ethic that... Some may not think we have today. I would argue that it's just different. Uh, So they have that hard work ethic. They want to get promoted. They want to do well. Um, They want to be, you know, paid for what they do. But again, the bad thing about them is just that identity thing that the career is everything. And I think over the generations, we started seeing that shift. And, you know, we'll get into the other generations, but it started being looked at as a weakness instead of, hey, you know, they notice their parents working extremely hard and giving everything to their career. And then all of a sudden, these places fire them. They don't treat them appropriately. And so things change generation over generation. And I think it's just important that we notice those things and why these things happen, why each generation is the way they is, and why it has progressed to what it is today. Uh, because it, there's a reason behind all of it, you know, and it's not just... Uh, just because there's things that specifically happen. So, you know, that's a real quick blip on uh, baby boomers. And we'll dive deeper. You know, we're going to do an episode on each generation and kind of go in depth a little bit more on why each one is the way they are. So our next up is uh, Gen X. And Carrie will take away Gen X.
1: All right. So I am a Gen Xer. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, Gen Xers, um, 1965 to 1980. Um, what is known as the latchkey generation and I can feel that in my soul so latchkey kids uh, your mom uh, may have been the first in your family to, as a woman to go into the workplace. So this was the start of, um, more divorce in the homes and double income families. So women starting to enter the workforce more so than ever before. So kids were left to their own devices. MTV was, uh, coming out and we grew up watching MTV and, uh, cable television and playing Atari and, uh, fending for ourselves because we were left home alone. We came home when the streetlights came on, and it was beautiful. We also um, watched the Berlin Wall come down, uh, the Challenger explosion. Um, we, were, we were shaped by a lot of social and political events that were taking place in the world. Um, Desert Storm, Desert Shield was taking place. And um, we were the first generation to start thinking about work-life balance and definitely did not master that in any sort of fashion, but started to recognize that we saw our baby boomer parents uh, working long, long hours and uh, many days without vacation. And so we started to put that Uh, into discussions in the workplace, and I think later generations have gotten much better. We can learn a lot, especially from millennials and Gen Z that are figuring out how to make this successful in the workplace. So we also have the benefit of growing up and going to high school before social media. (laughs) <laughs> and cell phones were really a big thing. I remember getting my first cell phone, uh, I think, towards the end of high school, but certainly couldn't take a picture on it and definitely couldn't text on it, I don't I don't think. So we uh, put pre- and post-tech generation, so we got to see both of those worlds. Um, in the workplace, fiercely independent workers um, like to be giving, given a lot of leeway to take projects on, but still really enjoy collaboration and working as part of a team. Um, Gen Xers, like I said, probably, uh, still pretty terrible at the work, work-life balance.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, You know, it's a, it's an interesting, it, interesting generation. I think when we look at Gen X and then in the millennials, you know, you talk about the independence and I think that ended up being a detriment to a lot of people's growth because we are very independent people, but you know, as we learn, uh, going to conferences and talking to other people, and just from our own stories, we need other people in our lives to allow us to grow. You know, and that independence is good, uh, but we also need a team, and we need a group of people that are there for each other. And I think that's very important. But you know, it's interesting. And then me as a millennial, you know, when I entered the workforce, it was almost kind of like I would try and find studies that said I wasn't a millennial because it was like I don't want to associate with that generation. But as I got older and started learning more about the generation, you know, I think it's a great generation. I think we've figured out a lot. And just like every generation, we have our strengths and we have our weaknesses as a generation, but we grew up in a much different world than my parents and my grandparents, you know, and we grew up at the technological boom, you know, when I was growing up, it was still playing games outside at the park, no internet. And then all of a sudden, you know, year 2099, the internet hits and we have all this information at our fingertips. So we were able to see this and be part of having no technology to all of a sudden this technological boom. Some of the major things, world events during our time was obviously nine eleven, probably being the biggest one, going to war, uh, you know, and being a part of that. I even remember being a young kid in the Persian Gulf, you know, so I, I think there was a lot of wartime stuff going on. And, you know, we started seeing these more and more mass shootings, the Columbine started happening. And, you know, all these things start to shape who you are and, uh, you know, start putting things in your mind on how we have to survive this world. And when you start experiencing things differently, as each generation has experienced things differently, we have to adapt and overcome to uh, those strengths and weaknesses. You know, one of the most interesting parts, and we hit on it all the time, is, you know, millennials got a lot of flack when we entered the workforce. And, A lot of people would harp on us for the way we are. Well, the interesting fact behind that is the people that harped on us were the very people who raised us. And it's like, you know, if you listen to previous seasons, we talk about the blame game and pointing fingers. And it's like, we need to take accountability because we may have failed to lead the generation appropriately. You know, growing up, everybody got a trophy for everything. And was that effective or not? So we have to learn, adapt, and grow all the time. You know, change, as we learned this morning in a presentation, change is living, right? If we're staying steady in status quo, we're not living. And I thought that was an awesome quote that we heard this morning. And it just makes a lot of sense how we have to continually adapt and overcome. As a parent now, you know, with a seven and eight-year-old, I know we're doing something wrong and we're not going to see those results for 20 years. But then it's like, hey, this is where we screwed up. Sorry, this is what I thought was right at the time. Obviously, it wasn't but it's taking accountability for that. So, you know, millennials are they're entering leadership roles now in the workforce. We're seeing them move up the ladder and they're the, they're the ones in charge and you know, they can really be some good change agents out there if they really take these leadership roles seriously and not and try to progress in a reasonable way understanding the generations that are coming up after them. So, our last generation is
1: Gen Z. Gen Z my favorite <laughs> and I, n- I know but people think I'm probably crazy when I say that because it it, it- Every generation that has come into the workplace has experienced the same thing. The generations before them think they're the worst generation to ever come about. They're lazy. They don't work. But it's just different. Right. And when Gen X came into the workplace, uh, the silent generation was still present in the workplace and the baby boomers were, you know, obviously the biggest generation. And they're looking at these MTV kids uh, that played Atari and they're like, these are slackers. They, you know they just want to watch music videos and play video games and and so every generation that's come into the workplace has experienced experienced this that as well and we we have to remember that when the alpha generation which are you know our kids mm-hmm. you know that are the next generation to come into the workplace we have to remember that and it's important to to remember it both ways so when we talk about uh, millennials being given trophies well, it was it was baby boomers who were, or Gen Xers who were raised by really tough Silent Generation or baby boomer parents and and didn't want their kids to experience, you know, it, life. They wanted life to be easier right. for their kids, and they they were figuring out ways that kids didn't have to experience, you know, heartache or whatever it was challenges. And and to the to the detriment of some people, but you know that was the life that they had experienced, and they wanted things to be different for their kids. So we have to think about it. Both ways. New generations. And when you're a younger generation, like, why why is that older generation doing the things that they do? So, um, anyways, going into Gen Z, uh, they are putting the mark on a mobile workforce. They can work from anywhere. They um, have been completely raised by the internet. They have information at their fingertips and have learned to maximize social media use and use it in really creative ways. They can work from anywhere, which is a challenge for public safety and jobs that require you to be somewhere physically all the time. So we have to be creative with them in the workplace. But what is beautiful about them is they really wanna make a difference in their communities and in their world. So it's important for us as employers to capitalize on that, but to adapt to what they need, um, flexibility-wise. So they want to work hard, and they're willing to put in long hours and to to put the work in. And I, I don't think that's being recognized quite yet. I think it will. Um, but you know, they're their generation that's going to come into the workplace with less technical skills. And Kyle, you and I have talked about this that they may not come in with experience as a plumber or an electrician or whatever working uh, construction, but they're going to come in and be really enthusiastic about the work because the work makes a difference in their community. And we just have to maybe switch how we onboard them. So teaching them how to do their laundry may be something we start with and then, and and then moving on from there. And I know that sounds super crazy, but it's exactly what's happening in in all of our workplaces right now. Um, But, just remember that, that they, they really want to be engaged and work hard and, and do the right thing. And you just have to, you just have to kind of flip your mindset on, on what that looks like for, for your rookies. Um, but I, I love their generation. I I think they're fantastic.
0: Yeah. I always wonder why, like, I want somebody to explain to me, like why an electrician or a plumber is a better firefighter? Like what, Right, they're
1: helpful on those specific types of calls for sure. sure but like, but I, I mean, I, like,
0: I don't understand just because they're in the trades, they have a better work ethic. Like, I would argue that because in any industry, whether you work in an office or you're in the trades, you're gonna have your good people, you're gonna have your bad people, right? Yeah. And it doesn't matter where you come from. And I, I you know, I always ask that question: Well, why? Is an electrician a good firefighter? Like, give me, a, I, I don't understand. I, I, I just simply, and like, you know, we see that. It's such an old way of thinking. Yes, people used to come from the trades. They did, they were a firefighter and then they did their trade work, you know, uh, on their days off. But now, you know, the salaries that we make, like this is a full-time job, the mandatory overtime we're seeing. Like, this is all people do now. It, it's, the, the profession has completely changed, right? A lot more education is going on. So, again, I just constantly put in that mind, like, I don't understand why people from the trades are better firefighters or they get pegged as being better for the job. It literally makes no sense to me because we can make that argument about anybody, you know?
1: Yeah. And I I think they have a earlier grasp on building construction, I think, a lot of times. Yeah. So, it comes across as they learn, they probably learn the basics a little bit quicker, but I, it's I think it's easy enough to teach somebody... Building construction, pulling hose off a truck and throwing a ladder without having to be an electrician first.
0: <laughs> right. So. And, you know, especially most residential construction today is lightweight. It's yeah. engineered wood. It's yeah. if we get called out for a fire five minutes later, this thing's fully going. Don't go inside. Yeah. Right. We're yeah. near collapse where 30 years ago we weren't. Right. It was different. You know, and then that our last generation, Gen Al- uh, Generation Alpha, I always like talking about because it's my kids. Right. I think they're the most hydrated generation of <laughs> all. Water I have water bottles everywhere, all over my house, and they can't go anywhere. Even if we're taking a quick five-minute drive to the grocery store, if they need their water bottle. And I'm just like,
1: what happened? I saw a meme that says, I was a Gen Xer. I don't think I drank water till I was 30.
0: <laughs> right. right. And then it was out of a hose, right? Yes. You know, it's just so crazy. And they can't travel anywhere without it. And it's mind boggling to me. But it, So they will be Absolutely, extremely hydrated. But I think the important thing is, as any industry out there, we have to start looking at these newer gener, that generation. We need to look at gen- Generation Alpha. What world are they growing up in right now? What are they seeing? You know, they're seeing, you know, over the last couple of years, the, uh, political climates, a lot of social issues are going on and, and we're seeing some of that. So how is that affecting them? You know, and how is that going to make them in the workforce? How is that going to make them as young adults? And how do we best lead that? But we should be asking those questions now and determining and start at least collaborating on strategies. So when they enter the workforce, we're ready to rock. Because I think we're seeing a detriment to doing that type of work, right? We did not prepare for Gen Z at all. We just all of a sudden they came into the fire service and we started bad mouthing them for what they were. Instead of 10 years out, we started looking at them, seeing the world they grew up in and adapting our leadership strategies, changing the way we lead people so we can better, you know, introduce them into our industry, bring them into our culture, uh, take advantage of their strengths that they bring into our culture. And, you know, instead of having recruitment retention issues like we're seeing and saying that it's a lazy generation... We were actually proactive and it was never a problem. So I think, you know, we have to change that mindset to be progressive and start looking forward. Look 10, 15, 20 years in the industry from now. And that means we have to start looking at Gen Alpha and how to best lead those people.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with that. And and I think Gen, Gen Alpha is going to be so emotionally aware and and whether you agree or not with what goes on in the schools and what they teach them um, it's a it's a big deal right now where I live but they they do a lot more um, emotional social emotional learning now that is not just you know algebra and science and reading and it's teaching them to be kind and empathetic and and how to recognize emotions in themselves and in others and how to express that appropriately and so, they're going to expect their leaders to be uh, on their game when it comes to emotional intelligence. So this kind of work that that we are doing and teaching and talking about is super important for that generation because they're going to see right through you when they come in, and, and you you can't you 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 can't live in that world with them. So
0: yeah, I think it's it could you could almost you know, and this is just me thinking, and um, you you can anticipate that if Gen Alpha was entering the workforce right now into, you know, some of the cultures like the fire service, public safety, and they saw the people that are, you know, in general, they saw our culture and people in leadership roles, I don't think they would stay. And not for the fact that they they didn't want to do the job. They don't want to work with people like that. And I think, you know, they have that ability because of what they teach in school now to be like, I don't need this. I'm going to go find something else. And it's not a lazy thing. It is surrounding yourself with people, a level of emotional intelligence that they want to be around, you know, and people that are willing to adapt and learn that as well, you know, meeting each other where you're at type deal. But I think that's why they're quick to leave there and see a a culture that is potentially toxic. And I don't need that. I'm going to go find something else to do. And it's not that I'm lazy. It's just, I don't want to be a part of that culture.
1: Yeah, there's so much um, post-COVID of nobody wants to work. Nobody wants to work. There's nobody working. And they're, they're, it was hard to find staff everywhere. Um, right. it, but uh, unemployment rates were the lowest ever. Yeah. You know, Recently, unemployment has been so low. So people are working. They're yeah. just not working where you need them to be. <laughs> they're right. working where they want to work and making good money and working from, like I always say, a boat in the, in the Bahamas uh, where you, could, you can work remote and work you know, five hours a day, three days a week and make just as much money.
0: Yeah. When you're, you know, you're blaming an entire generation for being lazy. That's just taking... You know, another thing we learned earlier taking the choice and and options out of your hand, and we're just deflecting away from some real issues. So we we can't point that finger. We have to look at solutions. And, you know, unfortunately, where we are with uh, Gen Z, we're behind the eight ball. So we're playing catch up in our industry, at least. And are we going to catch up? Absolutely not. So it's at some point, you know, it's we just got to move on, accept what is as is, and start focusing on the younger people. That are five years out from joining the workforce, or ten years out from. So our strategies change and adapt. So in five years, our recruitment strategies are spot on. People want to come to our culture again. Uh, that's what we need to start looking at, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I love that. It's good stuff.
0: But it all it is all based on the generations, you know. And it's again, I think. What do you think is the biggest takeaway for trying to understand generations? Like, what is our real purpose for, I guess, our audience to really understand why we want you to know about different generations?
1: It's one of the first steps, I think, in empathy in the workplace and compassion. That it—it's not always just personality or how you, how you were born. It's—it's. It's, what you were brought up around and the experience from your parents and that you can't do anything about that. You, you can do hard work and learn yourself and learn how to negotiate that internally. But it's important for people to understand that groups of people coming into your workplace may have similar characteristics, characteristics. Now we know that it is not absolutely not the end all be all. And that is probably more important to note is that, Everybody has individual stuff, but if you can understand a little bit about how what was going on while people were being raised, then you kind of have a jumpstart on things, and and that can can really help you.
0: Yeah, I think it's a, a twofold thing. Uh, one for yourself personally to kind of be like, hey, yeah, my past did make kind of shape me who I was, and Absolutely. this is this is these are the events that were extremely impactful to me. So that makes a little bit of sense. But then as leaders and people in leadership roles, or you want to be in a leadership role, I think it's starting to understand that we are all different. And even if me and you, you know, experienced the same event, we were at the same event, our experience with that could be completely different, you know, and we have to understand that. And that really goes down the road of mental health, like how it's a very individualistic thing. But as leaders, I think it's to start and understand that we are all different. And it's okay. Uh, And and it's developing leadership strategies that are going to best lead people. And that means probably some change of how you grew up and how you see the world. It's trying to see the world as as others have seen it and adapting yourself to that. Not getting rid of your roots and who you are and your story, like own that. Uh, But as leaders, we have to take that first step and meet people where they're at. And then let teach them about us and this is why we are at where we are at. And it's again, collaboration, teamwork. And I think that's the fun and the joy in a lot of it.
1: Yeah, and it's it's important too as a parent and as a spouse. Yeah. So when I think about raising my eleven year old and it's so tempting for me as a mom and I'm on the later end, I'm a younger Gen X. I'm not young, but I'm a younger Gen X. It the then The inclination for me is to try to make his life as easy as possible, which is not good for him. So I have to be cognizant of he's got to go through hard things. He has to fail and be challenged and, and learn hard work. And I can't take away all of life's challenges from him or he'll be an unsuccessful man when he grows up. So
0: yeah that that reminds me of video i don't want to take credit for this if i find the name i'll, I'll um just put up on facebook but it, it talked about you know my grandfather walked to work every day my dad rode a bike i drove a car my son drove a ferrari you know and it said hard times create strong men ah. strong men create easy times and so it's like it's all a cycle mm-hmm. so you know son's driving the ferrari but then his kid is back to walking. So this life isn't a- about creating strong men and women; it's about creating warriors, you know. And mm-hmm. I was like, that is a really well way to put it because mm-hmm. yes, we want to build strong people, but we also have to prepare them for war th- of what this world is, yeah. right? Yeah. And we're not just saying war and battle, but it's just what daily living really is because there are ups and downs in life. So yeah, there's being strong, and then there's being a warrior. So we continually just progress instead of making it a cyclical thing where we come back around right. to walking. And I always find that fascinating. You brought up a great point there.
1: I, my goal with him is always um, no, not, definitely not to make him have experienced failure, but to know what it feels like to put the hard work in to, uh, to get over something, to accomplish or to work through something that's a challenge so that it to try to build some resiliency because there's so much tough stuff you know, that our kids have to go through and, and I don't want him to give up, just yeah. keep trying whatever, it whatever it is, like it as simple as learning to tie your shoes. It's not going to be easy the first time, but the, the feeling of success and resiliency when you can finally work through something is, is, is my goal.
0: Yeah. Yeah. A big thing, uh, you know, for me is, and uh, I mentioned it this episode, is finding people that are going to support you. And, you know, I have two young girls and it's, for for a dad, you know, that's just a very interesting spot. And it's finding places that are going to help you achieve your mission for your kids, right? And putting them in circles where, they have a positive influence outside of me and my wife, because I think that's very important as well. Fortunately, for us, where we're at, we have found those two places for our for our daughters, and it you know it's it's important to us because it's on that path of how do I create warriors? Yeah, I can do it, but I also need outside influence as well, and it's building that team of people. you know and it, when we when we say all this stuff, it's just it's crazy how much we have just lost a sense of community. and when you have a strong community of people around you, so many good things can happen and influences and guidance and mentorship uh because we can't do it all alone and i i think setting those teams up for our kids and ourselves is very important It's, it's it's interesting as an adult to go out and kind of build your team like you know how do you do it as a 39 40 year old that walks up hey will you you know would you
1: be my friend <laughs>
0: would you be my friend or you be my mentor like <laughs> yeah. how do you do that uh-huh. you know it's very challenging because a lot of times i've asked that question and i get a look like i've been asked wait you want me to be your mentor it, yeah <laughs> and like i need that to grow i have weaknesses that i can't solve on my own um but you get looked at kind of funny, you know, so it's looking at my kids is like, how can I build that team for them now and understand like community is one of the most important things you will ever have in your life. Mm-hmm. You need your group of people because they will pick you up when you're down. You'll pick them up when they're down and they'll, they'll lead you because they're going to have strengths that you don't have and you're going to have strengths they don't have. And that's where, you know, everything works in good communion with each other. And it's, in a, it's, it's what's li- what life is about.
1: Yes, it's beautiful. I have a beautiful tribe of people. And uh, it makes life much easier.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm building mine, which is interesting. <laughs> uh, but grateful for you and and the people that have come into my life recently that have steered me in a direction, and it's just very interesting where it's all gr- all going. So, yeah. well, that's a little uh, look at uh, season. uh uh, episode one for season two uh where we go into the generations uh, a little bit more bring in some live interviews as well where we get to talk to specific generations and see what they're doing what they're about and we really look forward to uh sharing some more of that with you awesome as we wrap up another episode this has been kyle and carrie from the heat of command podcast
1: Thank you, as always, for listening. Please make sure to follow and subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. And as always, we love the feedback. Keep it coming.
0: See you next time.